You're listening to the VJ Books Podcast, produced by vjbooks.com, the premier seller of signed books. In every episode, we chat with an author, discuss an upcoming book, or give you tips on how to start your book collection. Make sure to follow this podcast on your platform of choice to get the latest updates, and subscribe to us on anchor.fm for ad-free episodes. For just a dollar a month, you can get exclusive ad-free episodes, plus a monthly discount code usable on anything in our store. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the VJ Books Podcast, where we interview your favorite and soon-to-be favorite authors. Our guest today says his mother wanted him to be a doctor, and his grandfather wanted him to go into the family furniture business. Thankfully... He took another road through the wood, and that has made all the difference. Instead of listening to his family, Lee Goldberg put himself through UCLA as a freelance journalist, one of our boys made good, writing for such publications as Newsweek, the LA Times Syndicate, the Washington Post, and the San Francisco Chronicle, among others. Since then, he has written both New York Times best-selling novels and served as a writer, director, producer, creative consultant, and probably key grip on the side for a variety of television shows from Baywatch to Flipper to Monk to Spencer for Hire. Why TV- do they always mention Flipper? I have all these great credits and everyone everyone fixates on freaking Flipper. That's because oh, it's so different from everybody oh, else. So You're doing you want a difference. Quiet now. I'm finishing up out before I say oh, nice sorry, things sorry, about you. All right. Uh, his, two, his TV work has earned him two Edgar Award nominations for the Mystery Writers of America. When it comes to books, both fiction, nonfiction, and anthologies, Mr. Goldberg is more prolific than Starbucks. He has more series than most writers have books. Among them are the Diagnosis Murder series, the Fox and O'Hare series, the Monk series, the Jury series, and the Ian Ludlow series, among others. He's here today to share with us uh, the latest in his E. Ronan series, book number four, titled Movie Land. We're very pleased to welcome Lee Goldberg. It's great to be here, though I'm tempted to leave in a huff now that you mentioned Flipper. Uh, (laughs) It's so much fun. I I wish I could do the squeaky voice, but I can't. So, Um, Well, the one great thing about doing Flipper was it prepared me for writing for David Hasselhoff. So it it worked out. Oh, Baywatch, yes. Um, uh, before we get to movie land, I, I want to point out to our listeners that you published your first book, 357th of Jelani, while still a student at UCLA, under the pen name Ian Ludlow. And I understand there was a clever marketing reason behind that pen name. Yeah, that's the cover right there. Back in the days when they used to paint covers, yeah, that was the cover for my Vigilante books. And all they would do is change that little bit right there to match whatever was happening in the new book. So it's the same uh, cover painting, but just different action ah. at the bottom. And I end up buying the, the painting from the from the artist nice. uh, years later. Nice. But I chose Ian for Ian Fleming and Ludlow for Robert Ludlum. So people would think, Ian Ludlow. You know, you know I think I read something by him, and it wasn't bad. And oh. at the time that I, I, I wrote those books, Robert Ludlum was the best-selling novelist in the world. And all his covers were so boring. I mean, they were Doric columns and, and hammers and sickles and briefcases. And, and I had that with boobs and explosions and things. So I figured if people are going to that shelf and seeing all the hammers and sickles and Brandenburg gates, that, that they, would, they would see that and buy that. And, and they did. My, my first book was a huge bestseller. It came out the same week this guy Bernard Getz blew away some muggers on a New York subway train. Vigilantes were hot. 
New World Pictures bought the movie rights to the books, stupidly hired me to write the script, and my screenwriting career was born, as well as my, my author career, ah, such as so, it is. So that was, that was going to be my next question about how the, the transition. So that thank you for, for filling that in. Um, the series, uh, you began the E. Ronan series with Lost Hills, which debuted, what, in January 1st of 2020? And yeah. since, since then, you've written a couple more. Now, here's the third follow-up. Uh, with Movie Land coming out as this week as we record this, I believe. Was there an incident, there you go, or a series of happenings that led you to develop the character? Actually, I stumbled into this character by accident. I had a different crime novel in mind, and I was invited to attend a homicide investigators training conference in Green Bay, Wisconsin. The civilians are not admitted to these conferences. They're for professional homicide investigators, they're required by law, at least in the, the in Michigan, to do 24 hours of re-education every year to, to stay up to date. And I happen to know the guy who runs these conferences, and he invited me to attend. And at this conference, they were presenting a case that if you'd gone into it using all your cop common sense, all your acquired knowledge of what a homicide is and what the clues mean, you never would have solved this case. That defied all the conventional wisdom of homicide investigation. And as I listened to this case, I just became more and more fascinated by it. And I thought that it would be interesting to fictionalize it and have a detective come into this with all the wrong instincts. Well, how do you do that with a seasoned detective? I mean, it's very hard to get a seasoned detective to leave everything they know behind. Plus, I'm bored of detectives who are really competent, know what they're doing. They're divorced. They're misunderstood by their bosses. They're middle-aged white men. Um, I, I just want to do something completely different. So the situation sort of created the character of Eve Ronan, the youngest female homicide detective on Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, who doesn't deserve to be in the job she's in, doesn't have the experience to do it, and has to prove herself at every step of the way. She gets into the job, I won't go into all the details now, but she, she hasn't earned her, her badge. And she's keenly aware of it, and so is everybody around her, which allows me to have a character who, who may have the innate skill or the innate, the innate gift, but not the skills yet how to use it. And that gives me a lot of conflict and a lot of fun. And she's not Harry Bosch yet. She's not John Rebus. Yeah. She, she's deeply flawed. And, and that makes her interesting for me to write about. Well, and she gets herself in a lot of trouble uh, from sometimes shooting off her mouth and sometimes shooting off other things. Um, wow. Because writers pick every word very carefully, we assume that they pack as much meaning as possible, uh, whether it's conscious or otherwise. And I'm going to suspect the title Movie Land actually refers to the fact that Tinseltown was originally by the developer Hollywood Land, and that just shortened down. No. Um, the reason I picked <laughs> Movie Land, I, I came up with the title. I mean, there yeah. is nothing here in L.A. called Movie Land. Yeah. But I tend to think of all of Los Angeles as Movie Land. Because the, the big industry here is making dreams, TV shows and movies and videos. And there is, while we have studios with backlots, all of Los Angeles is a backlot. Every single street has been somewhere else. Every single street has been someone's fantasy. And we can't help but be influenced by that. I drive down a street. There's a street near my house where uh, there's a particular building that has been an airport. It's been a federal building. It's been a hospital. It's been so many things in television. And the murders in this book take place in Malibu Creek State Park. Malibu Creek State Park used to be the 20th Century Fox backlot. 
tons of movies and TV shows were shot there. Now, there are some vestiges of those sets still there, most of which burned during the Woolsey fire, but there's still some remnants. And, and certainly the actual geologic locations, the, the rock ponds, the mountains are very familiar to people who've seen Logan's Run, Swiss Family Robinson, Planet of the Apes, all of that. So I think it's, it was an interesting location to have my murder mystery set because Eve Ronan is a character who's shaped by her own expectations, the expectations of the media, the expectations of Hollywood, since her story is being turned into a TV series in my book. So she's having to compete with the idealized version of herself and what people expect of cops now. I mean, people watch CSI and all these shows and have these ridiculous expectations of what cops can do. And cops, in some ways, are very much aware of that and play to that expectation. Plus, now everybody's got a camera in their pocket, so virtually you are on television all the time. So Movie Land encompasses the culture here, the history here, and the, the conflicts that, that are they're within law enforcement and our culture here every day. I also want to, uh, Eve's name, uh, Ronan, was for the roving samurai without a lord. Yes. And I'm assuming that was conscious. Of course, Eve, you know, the first woman and, and Ronan. But also, it's a, it's a joke, too, because Eve's mother is a struggling actress. And her, her real name was Ronan, R-O-N-A-N. And she just didn't think that was sexy enough, so she changed it to Ronan legally. So now Eve is stuck with this name, uh, which is tailor-made for a TV show. Uh, but I, I do shine a light on, on, on the name in the book. Yeah. I also want to mention that her, her partner, I really enjoyed the character of, of Duncan. Um, and the name uh, Duncan has two odd meanings, brown-haired man and chieftain. And Pavone is Spanish for peacock. And again, I'm wondering if those are conscious nope. choices. Nope. Duncan for Dunkin' Donuts. And Pavone is the name of the street my brother lives on. Well, there you go. But just Dunkin' Donuts Pavone is uh, it was the character, is the name. And I, I just picked Pavone probably because I had an envelope on my desk addressed to my brother or something. Uh, I mean, Eve Ronan I gave conscious thought to. But the other names, I have no idea how they come to me. One of the things, even though she has her problems, she's a very strong woman character. And you seem to have a penchant for doing that. I mean, think about all the monk books that you wrote in, from a woman's point of view. Where did that come from? You're surrounded by strong women, right? I am. I'm, I'm married. I have a daughter who's 27 years old. I was raised by a single mother who is a writer. And it always bothers me how women are portrayed in books, particularly those written by men. They're always sexualized to a ridiculous degree. They're always damsels, in, not, not when women write them, but when men write them, damsels in distress who always have to be saved by somebody else. And they don't have the rough edges. So I wanted to write a character. I'm always trying to write characters who are realistic and entertaining and have shades and levels to them. And, and I thought Eve would be an interesting kind of police procedural character, one I had not seen before. And I'm so tired of middle-aged male police detectives in these books. It is bore the hell out of me now. And, and, you, and you can't really do better than Ian Rankin's John Rebus or Michael Connolly's Harry Bosch. So why even try? That's also why my books aren't set in Los Angeles proper, but in basically the the Lost Hills jurisdiction of Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department because it's an area no one has written about, but it's full of interesting uh, culture and geology and, and environments and stuff. Uh, but I, I'm very conscious of how I write Eves. I'm, I'm very conscious not to 
to describe her based on how a man would look at her or a man would think about her. Yeah. Every time a man writes about a woman, they seem to think that all women think about are their own breasts and how their breasts look to other people. It's just ridiculous. I want to write a woman character that my wife and my daughter can read and enjoy. In fact, my wife, she's French. I can't do her accent. I can only do Inspector Clouseau. She's like, I don't understand it. You seem to understand women in your books and you're so clueless on reality. <laughs> it's like with Monk. She says, you're a complete slob. How come you can't be clean? I know you know how to be clean because I write the Monk books. So how come you cannot do it yourself, you lazy bum? You know, so it's... You do that actually go so very well. Um, yeah, I can't do my wife. I can't do her. Uh, well, I have to ask this, just down this rabbit trail, but how did you meet? There's always a good story there. Oh, I, we met her in the 1988 writer's strike. She was here on vacation, uh, staying with some friends of mine, and I offered to show her around Los Angeles because I had nothing to do. And after showing her around for a few weeks, she said, uh, why don't you come back to France with me? I said, I really can't. You know, I'm a very successful television writer. I'm very, very busy. I can't just go off to France. She says, you're on strike. You have nothing to do. And it's because I'd only known this woman two weeks. You know, the idea of going <laughs> off to France. With, then this little voice in my head said, are you crazy? Of course you should go to France with her. So I did. And we traveled all over France. And I, I was broke. I just remember how excited I was that here I am, a TV writer, on strike, broke, in France with a woman I didn't know two weeks ago. I'm the happiest guy in the world. I knew on the flight home yeah. that we ended up getting married. But I never said anything to her. I knew she was the one. We never had any conversations, just a fling. And, and she called me uh, two weeks later. She says, hello, this is Valerie speaking to you on the phone. And I said, I know, because I'm not talking to my shoe. She said, why would you be talking to my shoe? I said, I wouldn't be talking to your shoe. Then why'd you mention your shoe? I said, because you said you're talking on the phone. Of course, I'm talking on the phone. We get this giant argument over my stupid joke. And she said, I just want to let you know I'm coming to live in the States. If it works out great, if it doesn't, I really do not care. Well, She's been, ever since she got off the plane, she has not left. I mean, for 32 years, I've had her suitcases by the door, and she has not gotten the message that she's worn out the welcome. It's time to go already. She's cramping my style. Oh, there there you go. Well, we'll, sure, we'll be sure to send that message to her, though. She hasn't picked it up already. Oh, yeah. I'm not telling you the story she hasn't heard 100 times before and lived. Probably, probably so. And... And the and the the fact does she have a letter that's going to go out to somebody if if she should somehow predecease you? Oh yeah, she says you know my husband he spends a day you know working on perfect murders. If I die before him, I don't care if I'm hit by a meteor or a bus. I want a complete investigation. As well, she should probably <laughs> totally understand that. Yeah. Well, back to the book. It's kind of our ostensible reason for oh, yes, doing this today. Yes, the book. Yes, the book. Yes, the book. Yes. This is one of those books where the landscape is as much a character as any of the players. And you've described it incredibly well, so I can visualize it uh, and with all of the streets and the roads. And I'm sure everything is perfectly accurate to the to the actual scale of the, of the landscape. But it's totally intriguing to have this former back set be a, a character. Yeah, the archaeology here, the history in Los Angeles is all fake. You can go out and dig up all these old sets. You can't dig up old ruins because nothing was here. But, boy, you can dig up old sets from Planet of the Apes and Hogan's Heroes and MASH and all these other shows that were shot. How Green Was My Valley, Knight Rider, Star Trek, all these shows that were shot at Malibu Creek State Park. I mean, even today they're shooting there. Um, at Paramount Ranch and Malibu Creek State Park, they're shooting Westworld and, and other shows. And, you know, you have a real murder there. 
there's always going to be sort of a cinematic quality because everywhere you walk in, in Malibu Creek State Park, even if you've never been there before, you're going to have a sense of deja vu because you have been there before, but in your, in your, in your living room, you know, looking at it from as an alien world or as a, as Shangri-La or as Korea or you know, Scotland, it's been so many places. Yeah. Fa- absolutely fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of all of the, the brush area that MASH was shot in, since you mentioned Korea, for mm-hmm. instance, and, and that's but one of the things that I really kind of enjoyed about it is you have some meta moments in the book. One, one, the fact that she is going to be a series, TV series character. And, and she, at one point she goes into this um, building, which is a step and you see a window and it's a fake one showing an outdoor scene. And so I'm going, wait a minute, this is a fake within a fictional work. So you're, you know, backing up a couple of levels on that. It's and even more meta than that. That office is also in my book, True Fiction. It's uh, she's it's the same soundstage where um, Frankencop was shot. No, not Frankencop. Um, Hollywood and the Vine was shot. And Hollywood and the Vine is a fake TV show in True Fiction. And to get even more meta than that, that was my office when I was the executive producer of Diagnosis Murder. I had that office. I had that fake window. <laughs> I'm just describing the, the the soundstage where I worked for many years, so it, it's it's more meta than you thought. Wow, I I love that. I love that. That's just way cool. I had I had this windowless hole of an office, so I asked the set designers to build me a fake window, and they did. So this you know wonderful window with a view of San Francisco out the. <laughs> it's totally fake, but it still gave you this vision of sunshine in the in the office that wasn't real. Wow, I, I love I love that. Speaking of, of television, um, I I don't want to go in too much into that because we're about to book here today. But I love the number of references to TV shows that you work because I I take notes when I read books like yours, uh-huh. which by the way I want to describe as dense, but in the best possible sense in terms of really packed with meaning and lots of cool stuff and Easter eggs everywhere for the cognoscenti. Um, you mentioned the. You just mentioned TV series Hollywood in the Pine. Uh, Jigsaw John, which yes, five, that's real. five people remember, you remembered. Um, of course, you 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 have a couple of uh, other people who are in the in the office that are called Crockett and Tubbs out of Miami Vice. Um, Bosch just comes in for a, a reference, and it just it goes on and on and on. Um, Thurston Howell III from Gilligan's Island, Gunsmoke, yeah. Ironside, and CSI all come in for that. I just have the feeling that you're sitting there chortling at the keyboard every now and then when you get one of those. I am. I am. I have to keep myself entertained. And I figure if I'm entertaining myself, maybe I'm entertaining somebody else too. Plus, popular culture is a part of our lives. It shapes us. It shapes our expectations, not only of what we read, but how we dress and how we love and how we do everything. We're, we're comparing ourselves to a fictional ideal and, and we have that dialogue in our head. We have those experiences in our head. So I, I like to draw on that shared culture. It's also why I have humor in my books. I, I find actually police procedurals that have no humor to be unrealistic. Because even in the darkest moments of my life, the saddest moments of my life, there have always been the scariest moments of my life. There's always been, there's always been humor. So I, I try to bring all of that in. And the only thing I worry about with the cultural references is that I'm dating myself. Because I'm not into rap music. There's a lot of things I don't know. So the cultural references I have, I fear, are reflecting 
a, a white Jewish man of my age rather than a broader audience. So there's a danger in some of those cultural references. Well, it, I, Mr. Blending builds his dream house, I think is in the first paragraph. Uh, well, that's because the dream house actually still exists in Albu Creek State Park. It's the, it's the office for the park. So the office for the park is in a house that was built fictionally for a movie. So that, that, that to me was, was really fun. Um, and there's a lot of that in LA, you know, things that are embedded in our, in our everyday lives that were created for fantasy. Mm-hmm. There's one particular set that's used for a college campus or, or high school. I think I've seen the same building probably 50 different times because it's, I don't know, it's supposed to be handy or cheap to rent or something. I'm wondering about merchandise here. And I'm thinking you have some t-shirt prospects in some of your lines. Vomit doesn't lie. For instance, I can see, (laughs) I can see t-shirts, hats, cigarette boxes, whatever. (laughs) For some reason that just leaped out of the page at me. So you you won that one big time. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And then, and then the other one that comes to me in uh, karma, Duncan said, will always piss on your new shoes. And for some reason, (laughs) again, (laughs) I can tell you where that came from. Yeah. I was sitting here writing and my dog pissed on my shoes. So I just, I just put it right into my, my book, you know, karma always piss on your brand new hokas. Oh gosh. Well, there you go. We won't ask what you did to deserve such karma because I think I was so busy writing. I didn't realize he had to go out. Ah, that, that, that could, could, um, and there's, there's some, what you like call observations. Uh, One of the things that, you know, it's not uncommon for first responders to date one another because they're together all the time. They understand each other. And as you pray, there's comfort in that familiarity. That's an interesting insight, I think. I, I don't realize that. Before. I wish I could say it was an insight rather than something I observed and was told. I, I researched another. I can't tell you too much about this book. It's coming out next year. But I, I did a lot of research on, a, on, on the sheriff's deputies out in Barstow. And... They're very clear. We don't we don't sleep with anybody who lives in Barstow because who in their right mind wants to live in Barstow? It's a place you try to get the hell out of. And we can't date other people within the sheriff's department. So you date other first responders because they're not from here. They understand what you're going through. And also civilians don't understand the pressures you're under and the cases you do and what you have to keep to yourself. So it's just easier to be with somebody who understands you. You don't have to explain yourself and knows when not to ask questions. So uh, I just I filed that away and I and I and I used it. We should we should have not really described the basic plot of the book. I'm going to let you do it because I don't want to oversell and and leave you know. The basic plot of the book is based on reality. There were a series of shootings in and around Malibu Creek State Park, and there was a real suspicion that they were all connected. And for quite some time, authorities were saying there is no connection. There is no connection. And then, of course, there turned out to be a connection. And I, I mean, this is in my community. So I was following that case closely. It was happening around the time I wrote Lost Hills. And so I kept following the case and I kept taking notes and, and interviewing people and saving articles and things. And it just reached a point where I felt it would make a great Eve Ronan story. It's inspired by reality, but I've gone a completely different direction than the actual case went. And at the end of my book, I describe where the case is at today. But all of my books in the Eve Ronan series have been inspired by actual events. The homicide in Lost Hills is based on a homicide that actually happened in Ohio. Um, 
the fire that swept through Malibu Canyon, revealing all these bodies, that really happened, and that's in Bone Canyon. Um, gated Prey, there are two cases, one of which I don't want to go into because it's a spoiler, but both cases are based on reality. One is about uh, these follow-home robberies that are happening in gated communities in Calabasas, and then another case I heard about at a homicide investigators conference that um, baffled homicide investigators, and I worked that in as a subplot. So, you know, every one of my books has had inspiration in reality, and I just take it in a fictional direction to suit my needs. You were talking about how accurate my descriptions are of, of Calabasas and Malibu and all this. They are to, a, to, the, to the most part. But I have readers who will go on Google Earth and try to find everything I'm writing about. And, for instance, Bone Canyon, which is the title of my second Ebronan book, that canyon doesn't exist. I, I based it on two real canyons, and I, I made up that one to suit my needs. So sometimes I will play with the actual geography for my own fictional purposes. I've never set foot in the Lost Hill Sheriff Station. They're totally uncooperative. They won't help me at all. So I've totally made up what the interior of that station looks like and what it's, how it's arranged. And I've taken some other liberties. There are no homicide detectives based at the Lost Hill Sheriff Station. They all come out of Monterey Park. They all come out of downtown. And that just didn't serve my purposes. So I've, I've taken some fictional liberties. I think all authors do, because we're, at the end of the day, we're not writing true crime. We're writing fiction. Yeah. And entertaining fiction at that, I, will, I have to say. Where does the humor come from? Were your family funny people? I don't think we're any funnier than anybody else. I just think that's one way we deal with stress in life. You know, um, we don't take ourselves too seriously, and that's why we live longer. You know, we don't internalize all of our angst. We find a way to make it make it funny. I mean, even some of the most horrible experiences of our lives have had humor. I, mean, I can give you two two examples. I had a bad accident a few years ago and broke both of my arms at once. Oh my gosh! And it was a nightmare. And um, I'm in the emergency room and the doctor tells my wife, your husband has broken both of his arms and uh, he's not going to be able to do anything for quite a while. He's going to have to have a bunch of surgeries. My wife goes, okay. I don't think you understand. Your husband has two broken arms. He won't be able to do anything. It's like being in a straitjacket. She goes, I understand. And I don't think you do. Anything you would do with your hands, anything, he's not going to be able to do because he's his arms are going to be in casts, and he's not going to be able to move. And there's this long silence. My wife says, would it be possible for my husband to go on a liquid diet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in agony. I hear that. It just, just killed me. And I'll give you, I'll give you another example. Um, my mom was dying. And um, you know, I, I went to the hospital. The doctor said, your, your mom is not going to make it the rest of the day get your family here because she doesn't have long. So I get the whole family to come that we're all around my mother's bed and she passes very peacefully with the whole family around her. And then the chaplain comes in and he says, would you like me to say some words for your mom? Well, we're Jewish or atheist. We were not very religious, but my, my sister likes to hedge her religious bets. So she said, sure, we, we'd love for you to say a few words. So the chaplain does a blessing, and it's very nice. And when he's done, he said, you know, how was that? And my sister said, it was very nice. Thank you. And he goes, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and we're all staring at him. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. I've been on sabbatical for seven months. I thought I lost my mojo, but I've still got it. You guys have been great. 
sorry for your loss, and he walked out. <laughs> and first of all, my mom would have loved that. Yeah. Second, if any of us had been there alone without the rest of the family, none of us would have believed it. Yes. <laughs> and and now, my brother, who's a writer too, said, I have dibs on this <laughs> to write about it. <laughs> it, was, it was an outrageously funny moment, in, in, in an inappropriate moment, at one of the saddest times in our lives. But it, it, it just, it was perfect. My mom would have loved it. <laughs> so wrong. It's so funny to have this guy dancing around the foot of her bed in a victory that he'd done a wonderful blessing. So we, we take our joy where we can get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I just understand that. Do you have, I mean, I always ask this of people who, who write series, and you've got multiple series. Do you have the last book in mind, the last scene of the last book? Is it headed to an arc for something, or is it just going to be open-ended? Well, I think I know where the Eve Ronan series will eventually end, how it would end. But whether I'll have the opportunity to get there, who knows? Because it all depends on how the books do. Like, if Movie Land doesn't do well, there won't be a fifth Eve Ronan. It really all depends on how successful the previous book in, in the series is. So it's it's a you know book-to-book thing as far as Eve goes. But I'll be happy writing about Eve as long as readers want to keep reading about her. And, and one of the great things about starting her young and starting her inexperienced, it's going to take a long time before she's Harry Bosch. You know, before she's got that kind of confidence, that kind of respect, that kind of skill, and those kind of demons. Because right now she doesn't have any demons unless you count her family. Um, she's That's the other thing. She's a character with a family. So few of these characters have families. They're loners or they have an ex-wife or they have a family that was slaughtered by a serial killer or something. And they're always alcoholics or haunted by their Vietnam past or something. Eve isn't haunted by anything about except an overprotective mother. You know, So it's going to be nice to discover her life together, all of us. And we can see the growth of this detective until she becomes eventually, you know, a really great detective. I mean, she already is great, but God, she makes a lot of mistakes getting there. I, I get emails from people all the time saying she irritates me so much because she makes so many mistakes. And I'm like, good, good, because yes. I don't want her being perfect. I want her making mistakes. And and that's a, a mistake a lot of writers go into is they, they want their protagonist to be just squeaky clean and logical and never have a problem or personal problems. And that's what makes them real is giving yeah. them context like that. And giving them families, giving them brothers and sisters and mortgages and, 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 and love lives and things that, that aren't, they're not just all about the case though. That's one of my Eve's flaws is that she's all about the case and it's destroying her physically as well as emotionally. And, and it's fun showing that too. You know, and it really comes to a head in the fourth book. I think she she may, it comes to a turning point in the fourth book about the way she treats her own body and her own life. And I think if there's a fifth book, she's going to be a different person. She will have learned. Keep in mind that the first four books take place over a period of about four months in her life. It's not four years or whatever. It's a very short period of time. And so she's taken quite a beating in those few months, and she's coming out of it a different person. So... By the time I write the fifth book, I'm probably going to take a time jump and show her having licked her wounds and, and being trying to approach detective work in a slightly different way. Yeah, yeah. Very, very interesting. You know, and you, you talk about the stereotypical, you know, older white guy cop. There has to be a scene at least once in the book where he throws his badge and his gun down on the sergeant's desk and said, I'm out of here. You know, so that's that's I'm glad you don't have any of that in there. No, she's not going to throw her badge down. Yeah. 
Um, where do you see this going as a series? What do you mean? I don't uh, want to give it, it all away. No, no, no. no I, I, her... I mean, do do you see her always being in that, you know, growing within that department, or is she going to transfer someplace or have an adventure in Hong Kong? Or I don't know if she'll have an adventure in Hong Kong. Um, I have actually thought about, I don't want to go into too many details, but I have thought about her having an adventure outside of Los Angeles where she doesn't have the sheriff's department ha- having her back, um, you know, where she's somewhere else and uh, uh, has to deal with a crime. In fact, I, I, I've toyed with it as my fifth book. The end of, of Movie Land has her going somewhere else on a vacation, sort of. And I thought about what would be interesting to have a, a crime in that place and her having to deal with it. But it, I think it's in some ways it's jumping the shark. It's breaking the, the franchise. I, I probably liked the book where Harry Bosch went to Hong Kong, the least of all the books in the, in the series. Cause I think Los Angeles and Bosch are connected in some ways, Las Vegas and Los Angeles and Bosch are connected. And I think Eve is really all about LA and um, I think she'll stay in the sheriff's department. I think she'll rise in the sheriff's department if she doesn't screw things up, but she's always going to be battling at least for a time, the Hollywood depiction of herself and, and those issues. Interesting. Have you, have you uh, optioned it yet? Interestingly enough, um, CBS optioned the book as a TV series a year or so ago, and they wrote a pilot script but ended up not going forward with the pilot. So now it's back out uh, with studios and networks again. You know, with options, you can sell this over and over and over again. Yeah, I mean, it was nice because it only went to CBS. It didn't. It wasn't that the pilot wasn't op, wasn't shown to other venues and other CBS owned. Uh, entities like Paramount Plus or Showtime, whatever. So it's only burned at CBS. It can go somewhere else. But I thought it's a shame because the script, I didn't have anything to do with it. Um, it's interesting. Whenever I option my books, I always say, because I have a, a background in television right? as a writer, producer. So I always say when I option my books that I will be as involved or uninvolved as you want me to be. Uh-huh. If you want me just to sit at home, collect the check and watch the show on TV, I'm glad to do that. If you want me to read scripts and give my two cents, I'm glad to do that. If you want me in the room, actively involved in writing and producing the show, I'll do that too, but it's up to you. Yeah, so on Lost Hills, they said, we'll take option number one, or I have nothing to do with it. Which one was, of them is option, option number one. They didn't actually come out and say that, but they, I never heard from them. But the uh, the script was terrific. They, they did an excellent job. I was very, very happy with it. Um, True Fiction is being developed right now as a TV series for ABC. And I can't go into details about, about that, but it's a big name star. And, and in that one, I, I gave that same speech and they said, we, we'd like you involved. So I've been more involved in that one. Nice. So we'll see how it goes. Nice, nice indeed on, on all of that, that stuff. Uh, so if you cast it in your mind, which one Eve? Yeah. I, I think lost Hills has to be a newcomer has to be someone 26 years old or younger that is a fresh face because that's the whole nature of the show. That said, I thought the young woman, I don't know her name in 1883, um, the Taylor Sheridan series was absolutely fantastic. She'd be a great Eve. Also the young woman who played the, um, the Marshall in Reacher, she'd be a terrific Eve. She would be absolutely. And that's what, that's one of the advantages that, that Lee Child has is that reaches a traveler. He's not tied yeah. to any particular city, so he can show up anywhere. But it's also a drawback because I think we'd all like to see that that character again. She was wonderful. Yeah, yeah, in, indeed. And who knows? They may spin spin it off. 
Um, no, no, buy lost pills instead. Don't spin her off. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, what was I thinking? Um, I'm just being a, a fanboy in multiple things at once. When the readers put down the book, what do you want them to take away from it? I want them to have had a good time, to, to be taken away from whatever their troubles are, their day-to-day life, and just have an escape. I'm not trying to change the rule. I'm not trying to drive home any sort of moral lesson or ethical lesson or polemic. It's just an engaging good time that takes you away from your troubles. Yes, I deal with dark subjects, but I don't have, it's not, it's not murder porn. It's not gore porn. It's just uh, hopefully a compelling, entertaining police procedural that gives you a day or two's enjoyment or a plane flight's enjoyment. Um, I'm just, I'm just looking to entertain. I'm not trying to be literary fiction. I'm not trying to win awards. I'm not trying to impress people with my writing. In fact, I'm trying to make my writing invisible. I want my writing not to call attention to itself. So you get so lost in the story, you're not really aware you're reading one. Yeah. That, that, that's sort of my goal. I get I get impatient with books that call attention to their writing. That Oh, look at me and how clever my writing is. Like, no, I don't want to look at you and how clever your writing is. I want to enjoy the story and the characters. Yeah. Well, you certainly have done an excellent job on that. Um, You've been very generous with your time today, but I did want to mention a couple of other things. One is let's make sure that everybody knows that if you liked what we talked about today, you can get a copy of this at VJ Books signed by your very own hand. Very My very own hand at this desk. Wow. Within within inches of having Diet Coke spilled upon it. And maybe there was, if you do see some drops, that's what they are. Genuine Lee Goldberg Diet Coke. <laughs> Fantastic. And we should we should mention uh, all the contact information, your 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 website and your blog and all that good stuff. Oh, they're very easy to find. It's LeeGoldberg.com. Yeah. And I'm Lee Goldberg on Twitter and I'm Lee Goldberg on Facebook. I'm Lee Goldberg everywhere. Instagram. Soon soon to be seen in your man from Uncle Pajamas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So inside joke, sorry. Um, I, I want to thank you so much for being with us today and delighting us. Uh, Lee Goldberg's uh, latest is Movie Land. It is absolutely fantastic. And I encourage you, it could be read as a standalone, but I encourage you to buy all three before that as well, because it's a fantastic series. And I think you have all three signed too. Yeah, there you go. It's it's a it's a package deal. So think about, you know, this is where, where uh, presents could come in line for anybody you love. Hey, hey, thanks so much. We really appreciate your time. My pleasure. All right. You take care.